I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guests are Jen and Neil. They're the hosts of CBC's One in Six podcast, and we're here to talk about IVF. Let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, this is going to be, this is going to be really fun, um, because, uh, we're going to be having a conversation about a topic that until this year, I really didn't know a whole lot about. And I've, uh, by way of being so close to you, Taylor, I've learned quite a bit about, um, which is, which is kind of interesting because, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to myself, uh, the option for me to have kids, uh, the, the old school option, the OG option is not available to me. Uh, the only option I have, I was like, wait, what is that? (laughs) The the sex, the classic classic birds and bees, you know, uh, the stork isn't going to be flying to my home anytime soon. Uh, IVF is something that I would have to do if I ever wanted to have children. Mm -hmm. And Taylor, you just went through the whole process. I did. And it was, it's quite a process. And today we're joined by Jen White and Neil Hyde, uh, who also are very familiar with the process of IVF. Uh, Jen is a producer and reporter with the CBC. Uh, based over in Newfoundland and Labrador from my hometown, St. John's. What's up? Um, and uh, Neil, her husband, um, they both were the subjects of a new CBC podcast, One in Six. Uh, guys, hello. First of all, welcome. And thank you for taking time out of your schedule to sit down and chat with us about IVF. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Obviously, you gleaned that from what Jeremy just said, but this topic is very near and dear to us and and, and me. I yeah. went through IVF with my wife uh, um, throughout 2021 and mm-hmm. uh, and 2022, and um, and so uh, definitely a topic, a subject that needs a lot more, uh, a lot more voices talking about, and a lot more people understanding. Yeah, um, and 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 I think and I think ultimately some some changes. Um, uh, some changes to to better the the care and to um, and to ameliorate the whole situation yeah. for a lot of people. So I guess, but just to kick this off with my first question, um, you know, knowing that you both went through this, uh, Taylor, just being close to you, I know that it, it's it's a roller coaster mm. of an experience, emotionally, physically. Uh, you know, very demanding, very, very high intensity in terms of like, you know, the, ch- like the, the numbers and the chances and the needles and the treatments and the, you know, all, and the money. Um, Jen, Neil, the, the, the idea to, to record the entire fertility journey, where did that come from? What was the, what was the, the impetus to go, you know what, we're going to, we're going to go on this journey. Let's record the entire thing and put it out to the world. <laughs> Well, actually, it goes back um, a way a bit bit before that. Um, so we started recording in uh, October 2018, and that was after I'd had five uh, intrauterine inseminations, so IUIs. Um, up until that point, we were two years in at, at that point, and um, very quiet on my behalf of what we were going through. <laughs> I was so ashamed, and I didn't want anyone to know that. Mm. Um, I couldn't get pregnant. Um, it was so difficult because it seemed like everybody, everyone around us, um, it's like they would sneeze and they'd be pregnant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no one, no one talks about the hard stuff, right? So is that how it works? You can sneeze and just get pregnant. It's yeah. that easy, is it? Sometimes, oh yeah. <laughs> the two biggest causes <laughs> are Lord. kissing and sneezing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's a new kind of contraceptive. You just plug your nose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, it. we. Uh, I got a horrible memory, so that's why I figured we hit record. <laughs> really, but also just to get the um 
get the message out there because Jen was, you know, like she said, super embarrassed and mm-hmm. and keeping things in. But we were also surrounded by the more we talked about it, you know, bits and pieces, the more people we knew who were affected by it. And when we learned more statistics, mm. like one in six, we were like, this needs to be out there. People need to learn. Uh, it's not appropriate to ask when you're having kids because maybe they're trying or maybe they're uh, they don't want to. Also, yeah, you know, that's mm, also an option. Yeah. But we don't know what struggles are people going through, so yeah, uh, we just wanted to get all of it out there. And yeah. isn't it isn't so, it absolutely wild how 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 big of a how big of a discrepancy there is with the like as soon as you start to as soon as you start to say something, you start to realize how many people are, are out there dealing with this. Mm. The discrepancy between the people that are going through it and the people that are talking about it, like it's absolutely it's a there's an ocean between those two those two mm. numbers. I, I for for myself, one thing. So t- two questions right off the bat, um, uh, which are two things that I that I I don't think I've I've gleaned so far from from being so close to you and going through this. First one is uh, what is IUI. Okay, so it's intrauterine insemination, and um, Newfoundland is one of two provinces that doesn't have an IVF clinic, so that wasn't an option for us in the beginning. And so what our fertility doctors um, can offer here is IUI, so intrauterine insemination. Um, So that's when um, I would get a whole bunch of hormones. Um, First, they started out for the first couple of rounds with just pills, and then after the third or fourth round, they added injections. And the idea is that you would make one or two follicles um, and they'd have complete control over your cycle. So you get scanned every every day, every other day. And then um, when you're close to ovulation, they give you a trigger shot. And then 24 to 36 hours later, then Neil would come in. He'd give his sample. <laughs> they do a little process on it. Um, it's called a sperm wash. And Ooh. funny enough, um, that's that's one of the things we had to pay for. Um, yeah. At the time, it was 150 bucks, so it's it's not too bad in terms of price point. But uh, sperm wash did come up on his credit card bill. <laughs> and so, Wait, then what is we, this? <laughs> oh, yeah. right. Oh, right. I forgot about so, the bachelor party we went to. <laughs> so then we'd go in for the insemination procedure. So um, it's uh, you're you're just back on a table, and a nurse inserts um, this clean sperm the best sperm from the sample um, Mm. up through a catheter into your uterus. So you're putting hopefully the sperm and eggs as close together as possible so that they'll make an embryo, right? You're trying to help things along as much as possible. And then you have to wait two weeks. Is the, is the, uh, the catheter process, is that, uh, that sounds, that sounds uh, ouchy. Is that, is (laughs) is that painful? Is that, is that like, or at Um, least uncomfortable? I found it pretty uncomfortable and especially like when the nurse is releasing the sperm back up there, um, there's a lot of like muscle contractions and things that happen in your uterus. Yeah. So it's kind of yucky. They tell you, you can take like uh, Tylenol beforehand and uh, that can help with some of the cramping afterwards. Now, yeah, for me, I found it kind of gross and it's all stressful. Right. Um, But I had some women who said they didn't feel much or anything at all. Um, But I thought all of that was pretty bad up until we went through IVF. <laughs> and then right. I realized that I'm just a yeah. huge wimp. <laughs> yeah, right. What what is um uh so so the the show just just launched um not too long ago and mm-hmm. uh, I haven't listened to it yet, but my wife started listening to it uh, uh, last week, I believe, and she had mentioned the 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 rounds of IUI, and mm-hmm. IUI is not something that we that we did. Um, uh, because of the nature of our of our situation, and with the uh, the fortune of an, the IVF clinic here in Halifax being five a five minute walk from our house, oh, wow. <clears throat> um, and uh, what is your can you can you kind of like tell us what you from your perspective what the what the uh, what the goal of IUI is before IV, before going through the IVF process, and like some of the pros or and I think more importantly, probably maybe the cons of of doing it, like the like the, the negative things that can come up around that in terms of like the uh, the percentage, uh, the, the the rate of success with IUI, and uh, how the how low that is, and and the stress that can that obviously comes along with that not being successful, and the and and, and the impact of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I said, so. IUI is the only thing that's offered here. So IVF, um, uh, 
that was the next step we were going to take. Um, they would kind of, that was pushed a bit later down the road because it's not here and it's such a, would be such a massive undertaking. So IUI, uh, the success rate there is only 12 to 14%, which mm. is pretty low. Um, yeah. And it's not for everybody too, right? It depends um, depends on some factors. Like for some people with endometriosis, uh, it's even a lower success rate, I think, because, um, because of issues there. Like IVF is, um, depending on what your doctor says, but from women I've spoken to, that IVF would be the route for them. Um, mm-hmm. Then going forward, um, IVF... Uh, typically, I think has a success rate of about 30%. And that can go up and down depending on uh, your health, your age, yeah. you know, all that fun stuff. Um, and it is the whole thing is stressful. I don't really know how to separate yeah. one from the other. Any kind of fertility treatment can be so, so hard on your body physically, um, mentally, emotionally. Um, it's it's really hard when everyone else is kind of moving forward in their lives. And like, you know, typically there's the story like boy meets girl, you get married, you have children. right? <laughs> like, So it's really hard going to like, like Neil said, going out to all those family dinners and events and everyone just kind of looking at you like, oh, you're the poor childless couple. Um, and there's always been, uh, we'll say the Aunt Cynthia at the table who just badgers you, right? Yeah. yeah. What are um, you having kids? Like, it's about time. Yeah. Now. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. But it's... Um, and and I think I for us especially it was unexplained infertility so mm-hmm. they didn't know right we were starting from a, a clean slate of of questions um, like it wasn't anything with on my end or or Jen's also so IUI is at base start so start with some pills and then it escalated from there uh, you know we know people who just went in for to the fertility clinic had some pills and and that worked right mm-hmm. so with us it was pills and then injections and then more pills and then soft music and whatever <laughs> the notebook on loop uh, that kind of stuff so it it and it's so much cheaper like it it, it honestly only costs us 150 dollars per round plus whatever um drugs were involved and mm-hmm. jen had you know jen has really good insurance so that wasn't really a concern for ours um but you know it's a cost and time because you could do more more frequently as well iui mm-hmm. or ivf is like you need to take a break after each round. Yeah, if yeah. it didn't, if it was successful, you really need to reassess everything and mm-hmm. relax and and stuff. The the other question that I had uh, has to do with um, the title of the podcast and and something that you had sort of mentioned earlier uh, about you know one in six. What is what is, what is one in six? One in six uh, is referring to the odds of of what of people dealing, uh, couples dealing with infertility, um, Mm. in Canada and pretty much universally. So there's a good chance, uh, that you, if you're not going through it yourself, that you definitely know someone who is struggling, Mm. which I mean, again, that's not something you hear about. Right. So that's why we really felt like we wanted to get this story out there because it was only when we started telling close family and friends, um, I thought that everyone was going to be shocked that <laughs> that we were having struggles and I was blown away just by the fact that everyone we spoke to no one was surprised first of all and then second of all they all knew someone else they were like oh yeah so and so is having trouble too or so and so is going to the clinic or they are or, they themselves and we just didn't know yeah, yeah and had no idea and it just blew me away that there's this big issue um that everyone like so many people are struggling with and no one is talking about it so mm. really that's why we wanted to get that issue out there and just address like how many people in the world are going through this. Yeah. It, it reminds me when we like the very first time we covered uh, miscarriages with a guest. Yeah. And one of the things that I remember from that conversation was hearing that it's like upwards of like 20% of pregnancies yeah. end in mm-hmm. miscarriage, which like that's a, yeah, that's a, gigantic a staggering number. number. Yeah. It's really wild. What, what is now you, you mentioned this, you mentioned this uh, early when we started talking, um, Tell us, and I think this is this is a, a massive factor, if not like the biggest factor, in why there's such a discrepancy between the amount of people that are going through it and the amount of people that are talking about going through it. Um, and this is definitely something that we experience as well. Uh, tell us about the the kind of the feelings that go that start to that start to come up when you feel like this biological. Um, this sort of like biological rite of passage is is not 
happening and like the impact that that has on you as a person, as a woman, as a couple. Walk us through that. I think it's really difficult because it's something um, it's something that you want so badly for yourself and for your partner and for your family. And when you can't make it happen, like I know Neil gets mad at me when I say this, but I always felt like it was my fault <laughs> um, just because, well, it's supposed to be my body, right? That's supposed to carry, carry the child. Um, and so there's all these complicated feelings. And the, the only way that I really figured out, um, I ended up in therapy at one point and the therapist at the time, she explained it to me that um, as a term called complicated bereavement. Mm-hmm. So the fact that um, you're dealing with grief all the time, um, you're grieving what could have been, what could be this future for yourself, this possible little person at your table um, that might (coughs) never show up, right? Which is really, it's a really difficult thing to grasp. And if you're not going through it, you don't have to think about it, right? So, but when you yourself are in the middle of it, it's just such a heavy emotion that you're trying to carry while also going through all these um, physical changes with taking all these crazy hormones they're doing. Um, like I could cry at the drop of a hat at some points. I could also get really angry at other points. Um, and yeah. And then just trying to carry on with life as normal, because when I wasn't talking about it, you're carrying all of these heavy emotions and you're trying to do it all with like this fake smile on your face. Like everything's okay. But quite frankly, things were not okay. (laughs) And it wasn't until I started talking about it that thing that it kind of turned around for me that I could learn how to talk about the feelings I had um, and how I could try and get people to understand what I was going through. And it helped me deal with everyday life um, Mm. because it is such a difficult journey to be on. Mm. And Neil, Neil, what, what? How is uh, how are you processing this and, and dealing with this? I mean, I know that I felt that I felt a lot of times like very hopeless uh, mm-hmm. or, or helpless because I I felt like there was so so little of the attention was on me and what I could do um, that yeah. I really kind of felt very like very sidelined in it in it um, and uh, and that I could yeah, it was very hard to figure out like what was the what were, what was the best thing that I could do? Like, how were you going through that? Yeah, it was a lot of uh, know your role. So for me, it was, uh, you know, it's just constantly be there for Jen, make sure she's okay. Uh, don't try to fix things, just be there to listen and mm. and help out as much as possible. Um, there was a lot of, well, I mean, it comes up a lot in the podcast as well, Jen, and I think you went through this as well. There's a lot of uh, needle phobia happening. So mm. I became a, uh, a field nurse pretty quickly. And yeah, could, yeah. Uh, <laughs> mixing and yeah, mixing a lot of... Mixing them oh all up and oh my mixing God. Mixing them up and, and uh, you know, actually giving gender needles. Um, so, because I envision, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, stereotypically in, in, the, in the delivery room that the, the woman is blaming the man who did this to me. And it's even more so you did this to me uh, for all the pain and, and bruises and things. Sorry. And, uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, we, we have one, uh, as, as men, we had one thing to do. Um, so listen carefully to, to that one thing and make sure we do that properly and train as much as possible. And, uh, but also just, yeah, just always be there for Jen um, and, and you just got to roll with with all the ups and downs mm. with her, even though we're not experiencing it the same way because I'm not full of these hormones or my body's not having a catheter put up there. Sorry, you, Jen asked if I could one day just mm-hmm. to feel it. And I was like, nope. Just, yeah. Um, <laughs> just so yeah, that you I can did. relate. He turned down the request. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, weird. I can't. I'm <laughs> allergic to catheters, it seems. But I it's, think, it, yeah. I, I, I think um, what you said about, I, 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 that resonates a lot with me, what you said about um, not trying to fix things. I, like, I, I always sort of, I always sort of floated in the space of not being sure whether I was, whether I was supposed to try and provide some type of, solution to the way that Kylo was feeling or if I was, or, or if my, the best way that I could serve her was to just be there to listen, yeah. to nod, to be comforting. And ultimately that was what I needed to do, but it, you know, it, it didn't, that didn't necess- that didn't happen overnight for me. It was, you know, it was a lot of, it, there was a lot of, there ended up being a lot of arguments and um, frustration around 
you know, I, I'm very pragmatic. I'm very logical. So my natural inclination is to try, is to try and go, well, what's the, how can we find a solution to the way that you feel? Yeah. And there wasn't really, the, you know, a solution to the feeling was, a, a, was a baby. Mm. And, yeah. you know, I, I really couldn't, I couldn't lend any, any help in that department. So, um, I ended up coming to that conclusion. And I think that's a really, that's a really powerful message to the person in the couple that is not dealing with this, um, dealing with like the physical aspect of the treatment, um, to really be a listener and to know that you don't have to try and fix the problem. You, you, you really need to just be there emotion as an emotional support mm. and like a, and a relational relationship support for the person that's going through that. I, I also have a needle phobia. Um, and, mm. uh, and as someone who has spent, uh, many, many a days, uh, in a, in a hospital room on a hospital bed, getting poked over and over again. Um, it, it at least for me, uh, the experiences of that haven't really, haven't really lent to uh, sort of getting used to getting poked. Um, but I'm wondering, like, I know with IVF, it's like, it's a lot of needles over a short period of time. Did, did you get used to it at all? Uh, or, or was it, do you, you're still just kind of like, no. fuck, fuck no. No, no needles <laughs> yeah. for me, please. No, no um, it was a lot. Um, and I found they got worse <laughs> as they went along. <laughs> so yeah. as things, like as... Um, the rounds when they didn't work um and we had to go and try again so the first spoiler alert sorry everybody uh so the uh, we did two rounds of ivf um the first round um there were smaller needles or not as much drugs but by the second round they really amped things up um and i produced a lot of follicles but to get to that point yeah there was a lot of drugs new drugs different drugs and there was one um and I don't know why. I don't know if Neil was doing it wrong. He says he wasn't. Totally not. Um, but when he would inject it, <laughs> it was literally like molten lava going into my stomach. Like, I don't oh, know oh, why. Oh. But I, I tried all the tricks in the book. Like, I, I looked up online, like, you could numb the area first with, like, a cold pack, um, mm. an ice pack. Yeah, no, that didn't work. Um, I tried lying down. That didn't work. Like, it's... <laughs> I pretty much turned inside out when he yeah. was giving these to me. And it was... I dreaded it every day. Um, and it's intense, right? Like it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot to go through and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But yeah. one, 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 um, thing that kind of made it a bit more bearable was that in, during, I think it was the second IVF, there was a nurse drawing her blood and we were telling her like that I'm giving her Jen all the needles and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And the nurse said the same thing. Like she said, I draw blood for a living, but I can't give myself a needle. Like there's no yeah. way my husband has to do it and all this stuff. So it's like, oh, okay. Like. Yeah. It's, yeah. This is normal. Again, like this is normal stuff and people don't talk about it. Yeah. Did you, um, it, how did you go? How, this is something I, I, I also, um, my wife and I did one round of IVF and we were, um, we were fortunate, fortunate to be successful on that one round. Um, and, uh, but we have, it's not a competition, thank, Taylor. Thank, thank, thank <laughs> yeah, I, come I, didn't, I didn't mean yeah, it. To, I didn't in. mean it to be. And uh, we we were just bored during COVID and wanted to have another flight somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, get us out of here. Um, and we, but we, I have uh, I have people close to me that have that have gone through several rounds of IVF and and um, and you know gone through the whole the the whole um, kind of gamut of procedures that you can go through and and. I'm curious as to how, with so many rounds of IUI that uh, before or prior to the IVF, um, what kind of, what are the things that kept you, that kept you moving forward and kept you, kept you moving forward um, with hope that it would, that, that something would give and that you would be successful? Because I know that over such a long period of time with so much, um, so much bad news, that can be obviously very defeating and can be extremely hard on the relationship. I mean, you know, the, there's, uh, there's no shortage of relationships that, that come to an end because of the struggle, the struggle of infertility. Um, how did you persist through that um, and keep going with uh, the, you know, the flood of bad news over such, over so many years? Uh, a lot of stubbornness, <laughs> spite <laughs> for my non-working biology. No. Um, and I was lucky too. uh, Neil got me through most of it, to be honest. Um, I don't think I would have been half as strong as I was if it weren't for him. Um, I think we're pretty fortunate. Um, we've got a pretty strong bond. 
Um, and through all of this, through the recording, yes, we uh, <laughs> we really figured out how to talk to each other to communicate. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how the podcast, it was kind of selfish in a way because it helped us chat. Um, and also we joke a lot. So there's a lot of dark humor involved. Um, and I think really that's one of the only ways you can kind of get through this, right? If you can't mm. laugh at what you're going through, um, there's been a lot of bad jokes along the way. I mm. was getting one IUI and, um, so you're in this pretty sterile room. It's like a medical procedure, right? Mm-hmm. And the nurse is there. Um, <laughs> and I made the really, um, I make inappropriate jokes when I'm, uh, <laughs> when I'm uncomfortable and awkward. And, uh, so she was about to do the procedure and I joked about to Neil that, uh, this is probably not the threesome you envisioned having. (laughs) (laughs) Two out of three was laughed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, little do you know. (laughs) The nurse nurse was not impressed. (laughs) We we might've been written up for that one. I took on my bucket list. (laughs) Check this one off the bucket list. Actually, I'm super into sterile rooms. (laughs) This is it. Oh yeah. Godliness. Uh, One thing. I'm curious about is um, you know, and I'm 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 guessing maybe that this was something that you were looking into, or at least like have heard from other people um, before going through IVF, like even during the IUI, like when when people are when people are in the process of um, trying to make a baby, but they start to run up against these these walls and starting to realize, oh, okay, maybe this isn't going to be the like the easiest journey for us to actually like take this step. Um, I, I take it that there's probably, you probably get offered a lot of advice or like things, things to like look into, to try to do, or to try to implement into your life or, or take out of your life to increase the chances of fertility. Um, I'm wondering if you can speak to like, what if, uh, are some of those things that you were kind of looking into before going through IVF? Um, and if, if you feel like, you know, if, if you even feel like those things are worth mentioning. Um, mm-hmm. none, none of them are scientifically proven. No, none is scientifically proven. Um, yeah, what did I do? I kind of ramped up over time um, because the longer you go on this journey, the more helpless you feel and you're pretty much willing to try anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially when it's unexplained and there's not something that they can outright fix, you know. Um, so it started with, I tried acupuncture for the first time. Um, you'll hear that on the podcast. I also did, um, some yoga classes, um, with a local instructor who does yoga to support fertility. Um, so that's not supposed to solve your problems, but it's supposed to help, um, with blood flow and, and, Mm. and help out with the baby making region. Again, not, not scientifically proven, but, um, it did make me feel better. So I kept up with that. Um, when we first went for IVF, um, I started cutting out more and more things. So I cut out alcohol. Mm. Uh, I quit caffeine because that's supposed to be really bad for you. Um, and me. Even though I love coffee. Neil gave it up too. It was bad for me that you gave it up. Oh, okay, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> he also gave it up, which was a big, a bigger sacrifice for him than it was for me, I think. Um, I, love, I love a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, I stopped eating gluten because that's another thing that naturopaths say is a, a block to success, quote unquote. Mm. Um, what else? Yeah, pretty much anything that we could do. Um, I, I tried to stay on the straight and narrow, anything that could help it along. Did you yeah, get anything on the to- uh, supplement train? Uh, mm. Prenatals, but nothing past that. Okay, um, yeah. yeah, I didn't do anything too crazy. Yeah. And anything really to keep the stress level down. I mean, stress is such a hard thing on your body. And then this is so stressful. So it's it's a it's a constant tug of war. It yeah, is I was a, pretty I was pretty stressed without the bread. That was hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. It is it, it is so crazy when you mention stress, um, in how how uh ex- I think that was probably over over arc overarchingly the one of the biggest things that was um that was told to us by like a variety of different medical professionals and, 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 and advice from people who had gone through it was like keeping stress levels low because stress can, stress can be so, so broadly detrimental to our overall health and ultimately mm-hmm. like our, our, our fertility and, and just how ironic of a thing that that is given how incredibly stressful so the stressful. fertility process uh, or infertility process and treatment is, um, you know, like we had heard of, you know, we had people, we had people 
going, you know, so-and-so had trouble for so long and then they, you know, they took two weeks off work and they didn't do anything for two weeks and then they got pregnant. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, yeah, you, go, you go down south for a like couple that. weeks, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you hear anecdotes yeah. like that about, about stress and, you know, who, who, you know, who knows whether, whether that influenced it or not, or whether it just happened to, you know, work that time or whatever, but stress can be such a, can be, can be such a, um, a detriment to our, our overall health in general. And, and yeah, just the irony of, of just how insanely stressful the whole situation is. There's so many of those platitudes out there too that like yeah. just relax. Uh, what yeah. will happen will happen if it's meant to be, oh, um, right? Like, <laughs> uh, like just give it up, Christ. please. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, <laughs> I can't that's handle that right hear. now. Yeah, yeah. If it's meant to and be, you're like, I'm going to make yeah. it meant to be. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Again, my spite. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that speaks to, to um, a lot of people, um, not just partners, but like for other people to listen as well, you know, because, um, what I learned through the journey is that not everyone is comfortable with sitting with your uncomfortable situation. Like people do want to try and fix things. Right. And I understand that. I know that there's good nature behind that, but honestly, like if the doctors can't fix it and if me cutting out all this crazy stuff and trying all these things is not fixing it, then, like, I really appreciate the advice, but it's not going to work. <laughs> so I just need you to sit down and listen to what's going on or watch like crappy TV with me or just hang out. And let me cry. You know, like those those all those moments are there, too. Or just let me forget about it for a while. You know, that's yeah. how I that was a coping mechanism for me, too. And I, I mean, on top of on top of the platitudes, like, you know, I, I can imagine that uh, it, it makes me think of like when you when I got my um, Volkswagen wagon, um, I like as soon as I got that car, I was seeing that car fucking everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. Like it's just <laughs> it, there's so many more we- Volkswagen wagons out on the road, yeah. and I was like, well, I never noticed how many of these are out there. There's a psychological yeah. phenomenon that and I can't remember what it's called, but and and I can imagine that that phenomenon actually is is also happening when you're going through something like this, where it's like all of a sudden you're starting to see reminders of babies everywhere, you know, yeah. Um, everywhere, yeah. strollers everywhere, car seats yeah. everywhere, pregnant people everywhere. Mm. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it just ramps up. You really notice the signs too, you know, when you're, uh, when you're driving around and there's like, there's baby on board signs, yeah. those are triggering, um, mm-hmm. walking through the mall. It seems like every stroller on earth is there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's really, uh, it's really difficult when, uh, and you don't know where they're going to show up either. Right. There was once we went to a party. We left one party where everyone was talking. Um, the conversation veered to uh, miscarriage, which I guess mm. is great that we were talking about it. But at the at the time, I was in the middle of one of these IUI procedures mm-hmm. um, and processes, and uh, like it was just too much for me. So yeah. I told Neil, "We have to leave now. <laughs> we're mm. going to discreetly run out." Uh, and we were going to a second party. And when we got to the second party, we walked in and I swear to God, there was maybe what, 30 or 40 Chill people there and half of them were kids. <laughs> yeah. oh, no. And it was late. It was later in the evening. Mm. So we thought like we'd escaped all that. But then to leave one party from this, this upsetting topic to go to another party. Mm. We're hit, we're keeping the kids up until one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. There's what lots did, of pizza head when we got home. <laughs> what, what, does, what does, uh, what does, and, and I think during the process, like what does what does having a kid like mean to you in terms of, um, I guess like historically, like were you, were you, were you both or were were you people who, you know, you knew you've known forever that you wanted a kid or, or was it something that was a transition into, um, into feeling that, that this was something that you wanted? Hmm. Um, I didn't want kids when I was younger. Um, and it wasn't until I met Neil. So we met in our thirties and, um, which is kind of late in the fertility train anyways. Right. But it was after we met, um, and we got married that, that kind of that, I don't know, that feeling in your gut, right. That like, you want a family that, Mm -hmm. that kind of grew and grew and grew. And we just thought like, I'd go off birth control and it would just happen. Mm -hmm. And eventually when that wasn't happening, it's like, okay, what's going on here? (laughs) Yeah. And it was not like, it's not like it was, we met, Hey, what's your first name? Do you want to have kids? Mm-hmm. It, it never really came up. I remember we were like, after we got married or, or in that process, it was like, do you want to have kids? Sure, I guess. Like that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's not like we had this driving desire to repopulate the planet or anything. Mm-hmm. But we, like, you know, just uh, there's four of us in, in my family, you know, uh, and, and mom, dad, and Jen's an only child. Um, 
So it wasn't like uh, we we really had this burning desire to to have all these children and be surrounded by children. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of people around us who had children. So we were fun uncles, aunts and uncles for the longest time. Um, but we just figured it, why not? And to me, it was, um, I wasn't, I mean, I was upset every time it didn't work out, but it was always like, well, if it, if it didn't work out, then okay, we'd do this and this. We'd adopt or mm-hmm. continue fun uncle, uncleship or like whatever whatever it is to be happy because that's all we should be doing is happy. This is making us really, really sad, um, but we still want to do it because the reward will be more happy. Um, so, yeah, it was it was discussions we had, but nothing like, oh, my God, oh, my God, we got to have children. It was like it's it's really it'd be really amazing if we did. But if not, um, we'll we'll work through it and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much our attitude. Yeah. For, yeah, for, th- yeah. Go ahead. Um, I think it would have been really upsetting if um, if things didn't work out. Um, <laughs> but we would have made plans. Right. We would have. Mm-hmm. happy we we'd be happy and and healthy we'd figure it out you know it's just again uh grieving that process and yeah. uh and taking it from there and then getting probably a bunch of dogs yeah so yeah dogs. yeah like <laughs> I, I i it's it's such a uh and the reason that i asked that question was because like for for us it was it was um we kyle and i had been together for 10 years already and and we were like from day one, we were both like, yeah. I, and w- when we met, she was 24, I was 20. And, and, and from day one, we were like, well, kids not, aren't really something that we want. Mm-hmm. Like we had, we had very specifically said no, that we didn't want kids and we were living our life as such. And then COVID happened and it was all of a sudden like our life, which was, which was like a lot of travel in the winter, um, pretty much gone for like three months of the year. And that was a, that was like a major deterrent. Like, I think at one point Kyle even kind of thought like, uh, maybe kids, but, uh, also not going to stop traveling for three months. And like, that would need to be put on pause. And like, that's a big, like, I'm really bored in this house with just you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, and then COVID happened and it was like, oh shit, now we want, now I think we want a kid and, and same idea. We thought, oh, well, you know, she'll stop birth control. It will just happen. And then obviously, you know, a, it, X, a, a to Z ensues mm. and you have to go through, go down the, the, the path of, of the fertility clinic. But like, yeah, I think, I think there's something around that. Like when it's, there's something to it. I think when you sort of only passively know that you want a kid in the background, or if you thought you didn't want one at all, and then all of a sudden you do, and it's not happening mm, you're yeah. like that, that is like, it's such a, it's such a, um, yeah, you feel like you're, like, there's like a, a sense of feeling like robbed from something that's, uh, that's something that like you are somehow entitled to, or that you have the right uh, to to do this, and you're not able to, and it's really uh, and is really hard. So yeah, that was that was kind of the 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 impetus for that question. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I've been in that same boat almost my entire life of just like not like the idea of having a kid has just always been something that I've always said no, not for me. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. I love being an uncle. I like. There's nothing I love more than being the cool uncle and, uh, and, and, you know, like it's so fun. Um, but, uh, I'll tell you since you had your kid and since for some reason, I don't know what's going on, but my Instagram algorithm is just pumping me full of cute baby shit. (laughs) And it's like, and I'll tell you right now, like I'm, I'm pretty sure that's having some sort of mental effect on the way that I am like viewing children. Um, it is, it's a, it's a really, uh, it's a really jarring feeling to be like, do, uh Oh, do I want, do I want to go down that road? Like, well, it's a trip because you don't like, there is nothing like there is nothing that can prepare you for the, for what it, for, for having one. Yeah. yeah, In term, in term, like, yeah, like the, like we had this conversation that like the things like the th- <laughs> this is a totally different conversation from fertility from from fertility really that this yeah. goes into like the fuck the the actually having a kid, but like they're like the like silly the silliest things on planet Earth like like I remember when I had if I had a friend who had a kid and I'd go over to their house and the kid is like and I'm just like noises. And then, <laughs> and then my kid is doing that, and I'm like, such a piece. And of shit. I'm like, progress. That's <laughs> yeah. progress. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, where's yesterday. my camera? Where's my camera? <laughs> yeah, yesterday <laughs> my that phone. was just 
da 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 and now it's blah 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 and i'm like holy shit yeah guys did you hear that yeah yeah and uh, i'm that guy that's like it's just noises it's just, it's just noises, noises. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah well, yeah and, and the the other th- i mean in 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 my camp with with that that notion of of you know just even in the last like two months, just batting the idea around like, what would it look like if I, if I had a kid? What, how would that feel if I had a kid? If I, if I really decided to go down that road, the unfortunate part for me is that the only way for me to do that is IVF. There is no, you know, uh, there is, there is no sneezing, uh, to, yeah. to make that baby happen on, on my end. So, um, and that's something that, that's something that, that actually, uh, if I, if I was to be really truthful, in, in, in seeing you go through it and having conversations like this on the podcast, it's one of the things that um, I wouldn't really look forward to. Um, there's, you know, just hearing the, the emotional toll that goes along with it is, is one thing, but also the, the cost of IVF is mm-hmm. really staggering. Um, mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about it at length on, on this show when we had you and Kyla on, but, um, you know, Jen and Neil, I would love to hear the... Um, the process of what you guys went through to, to do IVF, because you were saying earlier in the show that Newfoundland's one of the couple of provinces that don't offer it. So, you know, when you started having this conversation with your healthcare providers about doing IVF, um, what do they, what do they offer you? What do they say? What do they, you know, where do they suggest to go? Because I know you didn't come to Halifax. You, you went to Calgary. Um, what was, what was the decision to do Calgary and not somewhere like, you know, somewhere much closer, like, like Halifax? No offense. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so there's um, the, our, our clinic here, our fertility clinic has um, some relationships with some clinics across the country. So they, they, off, they said you can pretty much go wherever you want. Um, but it was, um, it was suggested to us, our, our doctor mentioned Calgary as a pretty good option. Um, so we looked into that and decided that's, that's what we were going to do. Um, that clinic, uh, the regional fertility program has been at it for a long time. And so we just decided, yep, that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to buck up and do it. Um, so how it works here is that the local to help cut down on the costs, uh, the local clinic does some of your monitoring up front. So, um, ultrasounds, um, you're taking your drugs, they're tracking how your follicles are doing. Mm. And then once they see that, um, the follicles are big enough. They're happy with it. You've grown enough. Um, they'll tell you that, okay, you're good. You can book a flight to Calgary <laughs> and they'll take it from there. So within like, you get like a day or two's notice, yeah, literally. Wow. And then you have to book the flight. Um, so you're flying across the country and then the clinic there picks up uh, the next part. So essentially they're, they're prepping you for, um, for the first couple of weeks um, you so you're up. doing all your medic. You're doing all the needles and stuff at home. Uh, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And then you're flying up there, and then they'll mo- for just a couple of days until they decide that they can do the egg retrieval process. And once they take the eggs out, they get a look at them. Then they figure out um, when they're going to do the transfer of the embryos. So you're doing your trigger shot in Calgary. Yes. Yeah. 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 But again, we. We didn't know where we were going till the day before. They're like, yeah. okay, you can go tomorrow. And we're like, oh, okay, let's go. So, <laughs> Wait, yeah, which is like a lot of added stress yeah. on top of a pretty stressful situation. Totally. It's also like an added cost. And on top of that too, so you're you're staying somewhere for up to two weeks. Um, you're away from your support system. Um, you probably haven't seen this clinic before. Like the first time we had no idea mm-hmm. what we were walking into. We had to pay for accommodations. Um, we had to rent a car. So it's all of these extra things on top of an already pretty crazy situation. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough.
Can I tell you a funny story? Mm-hmm. Yes, please. That's a <laughs> so having question. to do with needles, um, on this first trip that we went up, um, one of the flights <laughs> got canceled and we, um, but the next flight that we were booked on, uh, totally coincided with the time that I was supposed to take a shot. And it was one of the fun ones that oh, you're God. supposed to mix, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> you know, so you have the yeah. powder in one vial, the, yeah. uh, the liquid in the other. And you have to change like needle tips to take one out into the mm. other. <laughs> so, oh my God, I'm just remembering all that. So like, yeah, yeah it's crazy. Back. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up, we were on this tiny little like dash eight plane. So tiny. We, we had to run across the terminal to make this flight from, I think it was from Edmonton to Calgary. Mm. And we get on the flight. I'm sweating. Um, I look at my watch. We're supposed to have this the shot like now. And it's um, like so specific. Yeah. It's, it's so exactly, specific. Yeah. yeah. So if this is the shot that would um, keep me from ovulating, I think. Yeah. So if I didn't have that shot, it would have, it could have screwed up the entire, oh, the God. whole IVF trip. Right. So <laughs> Neil saw the panic in my face, called the stewardess over. And so before takeoff, um, we asked her it, like, I need to take this hormone shot now. So she told us to go to the back galley <laughs> on this tiny little flight. So we oh, ripped across the goodness. curtain Except then you're in the dark because there's no lights back there. There were no tables or anything, right? So Neil was there crouching on the ground, fumbling with these needles. And all of a sudden we heard the stewardess come back saying like, are you done yet? We have to go. Oh my all goodness. All these disgruntled sweating. passengers. I was sweating. Oh, they're all so angry. We got the needle done. And, but, but holy moly. It was sad. It's like, like that specific Ooh. shot. Yeah. Like I can't like. I remember getting off the, like, well, Kyle got off the phone with the clinic and they're like, okay, the egg retrieval is going to be at this time. So like, you got to take the shot at this time. It's Ooh. like, and it's, yeah. there's like really no wiggle room. It's like, it's, no. it's not like a pill that you can go, oh, if I take it an hour later or an hour no. early, then that's fine. It's like, it has to be at the exact like yeah. moment, which is so, which is so trippy. And especially because it's, it's, uh, we were, we were fortunate enough to have a lot of our, med, our meds covered. Um, but our, our coverage was up. So like if, oh, okay. if we mess it up and we need more yeah. or we drop a vial or something like that was always such a, you know, like handling these little tiny vials on our, on our <laughs> table and going like, Oh yeah. my God, there's like $500 of worth of shit in this little tiny <laughs> vial. And if I drop it, I'm fucked. Uh, oh my God. Just what a stressful yes. situation. And then we were dealing with time zones on top of that. So it was like, when yeah. I was, right. oh, yeah. this happens That's at crazy. one o'clock in Newfoundland. What, where are we? What time is it <laughs> right. now? And, and like, you got that half well, hour that just real fuck, fucks you real, real bad. You know, it's like <laughs> so unique. confusing. Yeah. I'm, very unique, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm very, uh, like uh, kudos, kudos to you guys. Like that's to, to get, to do that at home and then, and then hop on a, hop on a plane mm. and go to Calgary, you know, with, with such short notice to, to make that happen. I mean, what a, uh, what a journey and what a logistical journey. And, um, I'm, I'm, I am like, it, it, it was sort of in, especially having this conversation, it, it, it was definitely a little lost on me, like how fortunate we were because I, I, I just, I always knew that the fertility clinic was right there. So like, that's just been my experience. So it's like, Oh, the, mm-hmm. I, I, and, and it wasn't really until getting into the whole process that I realized like how, few fertility clinics there are yeah. like, and especially with the wait times for fertility clinics, I, I, I was very mind blown to, to learn how few there are in Atlantic Canada, considering mm. how, you know, in Halifax, I think it's like six to eight months to get into a fertility clinic. Um, you know, like <clears throat> uh, why is there not more? Like, was that something that you explored in, in, like for the podcast, are you were you really telling your own story, or were you exploring like the the broader? Um, are you exploring the broader uh, like system? I guess. Um, I spoke to some other women just to kind of get their perspectives on on their experiences because, like as you know, each fertility journey is unique to each person, right? Yeah. That's going through it. Um, and right now, I think the stat for Newfoundland and Labrador for the local fertility clinic the wait time is between like six months and three years. So there's a huge backlog. um, And right now um, there's issues too with uh, getting IUI treatments. So apparently everyone, not everyone who is looking to get one will get in for each cycle. So that's another stress too, right? Like you might call in with your day one of your period and told like, sorry, there's no room for you this time. Yeah. Mm. So that's really hard too, right? Um, And every month is is like, 
is a is a roller coaster, an emotional roller coaster. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. And like a thing with infertility too is that you have to learn pretty early on that you have zero control. Yeah. <laughs> Biology and your doctors are in charge. And that's really, really frustrating for someone who's a bit of a control freak like myself. Mm. Um, <laughs> so it's that's another like layer that's really hard to deal with when you can't control if you get treatments this month or too bad if you want to be treated this year because you might not be able to get IVF yeah. until the following year, right? Depending on what clinic you're choosing. So that's a whole other level of stress on top of everything. Mm. And Newfoundland has one of the, uh, was one of the few provinces that has a declining population. <laughs> so of all places that mm. should have an IVF clinic right. and more fertility support, it, it definitely is, is us here. So yeah, we're trying to get it out there and, and push the government on, uh, on fulfilling on some promises they made and, and, just to get more people behind the idea of, you know, not having to travel and to take that travel stress away mm, yeah. um, through such a stressful adventure. Yeah. I'm so jealous that you're five minutes from your <laughs> clinic. You have no idea. Oh it's, just, <laughs> yeah. it's just right there. And mm-hmm. like, and, and, and like, and like I said, like, I can't imagine, I, I mean, it was so, it was, it was such a, it was such a stressful endeavor anyway um, to to, to add on, you know, I can't imagine it being added on to that, the travel requirement mm. and, and that it's, and that it's not right there. Um, mm. oh, fuck, I had a question that was brewing in my head and it is, oh, I got it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Silence yes. worked. Um, um, what, how did, how did you handle, uh, how did you handle the, the stats and mm. like the, the things from the, 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 the stats from doctors that talk about, you know, like, well, once you cross the 30, I think it's 30, is it 35 or 36? Like once you cross that threshold, you know, like the numbers drop and it's this likely and it's that likely. And, um, you know, the whole, and, and the whole, the whole roller coaster of, you do the egg retrieval and, you know, X amount of the eggs are usable and yeah. then X amount mm-hmm. end up fertilizing and then X amount, like that, that was the hardest part for us was that mm-hmm. roller coaster after the egg mm-hmm. retrieval. But like, how did you handle the statistics and yeah. And the roller coaster that ensues. Well, the podcast is one in six. So originally it was going to be a, a fractional based math podcast. <laughs> That's how I wanted to do it. Because um, we deal with fractions and math every day, really. And it is a, so it is a struggle, right? There's not enough math podcasts out there. Or, or math, right. depending where you're from. Could be maths. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, it was kind of scary because as time goes on, you know, like you're, you're kind of caught in this time warp because time slows down for you, but time keeps ticking um, while you're waiting for all these treatments and things and, and for, and hopefully for procedures to happen and then to work. So, um, yeah, your fertility declines, there's not this sharp drop off at 35 though. That's kind of the, that's kind of what people think. Um, it's more like a slow decline over Mm. time, but really once you're hitting your thirties, it's like slowly, slowly going down. The best is when it, cause it's technically called a geriatric or advanced Mm. maternity advanced maternal age. Yeah. So, yeah. But the word geriatric came up a few times and I'm like, yeah. oh boy. Yeah. You, Which is hard to hear when careful. you're in your late thirties. You That's, know right. That yeah. That's right. Yeah. And they, and they, I think they do. Yeah. They do call it a geriatric pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. That's dangerous words to say around a, a hopefully, <laughs> uh, a, a, I could say hopefully pregnant uh, woman jacked <laughs> yeah. up on hormones. Yeah. yeah yes, exactly. Yeah. Watch very, very hard Choose your words oh, carefully. Like, yeah. I, I always thought about the, I always thought about the stats and, and, and I, I, I am like a very like st- statistics, you know, science driven person in general. And then when it came to this, I, I had this kind of reversal where I was like, well, yes, the stats are important when you're looking at these, you know, broad populations, but like, you know, I, 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 I kind of felt like, I felt like Kyla was sort of getting into this, like, oh, once my, once I, turn this age on, on my birthday, then like I've got a 30% less chance of, of, Mm -hmm. of having a a baby. And I was like, well, that's just not, that's just not how, you know, even though the statistics might sort of show you that picture on an individual basis, like you kind of have to, you have to like kind of know the statistics, but really not give a shit about them all at the same time. Because, 
they're really a point of reference and they're not speaking to you as an individual no. and, and, and yeah. they can be really disheartening. Yeah. yeah. Cause there's literally nothing you can do. Like nothing you can do all of it. You know, if when the eggs get fertilized and they start, you know, dying off or they do not, uh, viable, I mean, you have no control in that. So you, you can't re, you know, it was a hard lesson that we learned yeah. for, in, in uh, the first trip. Yeah. We were a bit naive for, uh, IVF round one. Um, that was the biggest shock I think for us because they took out, um, I had a dozen eggs. I had 12. Um, yeah, but fewer, I think it was eight of those were viable. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as time went on within a day, they dropped from five to three and then we had two. So they, um, they transferred two on day three, which is not optimal because you want to get to day five. You want to let them grow in their little happy Petri dish for as long as possible. And yeah, looking at those numbers every day, getting the update from the embryologist was just so shocking and humbling because you just assumed like, well, I did all these things and you pulled all these eggs out of my body. Um, They've got to work, right? (laughs) But they were so not happy little embryos. And I was so, I was so upset. I was hoping we, like, I figured we pay all this money. We come all this way. We do this once and then um, and then it'll just work. Right. Um, but I think that was the most spoiler alert. That was the most shocking thing of all. When that first round didn't work, um, we had two embryos transferred, like I said, and it didn't take. And and we had none to freeze. I really thought we'd have so many to freeze yeah. um, mm-hmm. as backup. And that was just not the case. And also, too, they tell you, like, as you go along, as they're growing or dividing, <laughs> um, they update you on the quality of them too. Right. So that they're, they're graded pretty much. Um, and that one was good, one was okay. And then one was poor. Right. So, yep. um, through the middle of that process. So that's, that's really hard to hear too. Cause you're hanging on by a thread, right? Like there's, <laughs> yeah. there's only so much hope to keep you going at times. And once, uh, once it looks like that door is closing, it's, it's pretty scary. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I think something to, to come out of this conversation and something that I that I think is 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 important um, as well is is I it seems to be fairly well known that IVF can be a toss up in terms of the mm-hmm. the broader population. Like people know generally, it seems that that it's not a guarantee when you do IVF. Um, but something that is that that in stark contrast to that that I've noticed anecdotally is the is the uh, conversation around um, somebody who wants to freeze their eggs um, and mm, just yeah. for the sake of freezing their eggs and then they, they might not have a partner and they, they you know they feel like they want to freeze their eggs um, at a younger age and uh, maybe have a baby later is is sort of like the nonchalance with with which that gets tossed out um, whereas like that is the same process like that's the, that's the same process minus the minus the, um, the implantation of, of, of an embryo, mm-hmm. um, and, and comes with that roller coaster of, uh, that roller coaster ride of, um, of, of the, of all the medication and the egg retrieval and, and the ups and downs that can come from that. I just, I, I, I just thought, just, I just wanted to point that out that I, I, I find that interesting that, that, that seems to be, that there doesn't seem to be that awareness there, that that is like, they were basically going through like 75% of the of the procedure, um, mm-hmm. when you have your eggs frozen and, um, and, and, and that it can be really tough and it's not really just like a, I'm going to freeze my eggs. Um, yeah. got, like it's easy peasy. Yeah. We know people who, um, <laughs> right before they started some cancer treatment, they had their sperm frozen, you know, for just in case, uh, we know some same sex couples who went through a lot of this stuff, which is, you know, even more complicated in, in some ways mm-hmm. on, on, you know, finding, sperm donors or just how to treat it within mm. their local um, health system, not, you know, not here, but other places as well. And yeah, it's, I think we were kind of the typical uh, or like the vanilla version of, <laughs> we don't know what the problem is and uh, let's just, you know, th- throw spaghetti at the wall. I was going to say something else. Let's throw stuff at the wall. <laughs> throw some and, sperm uh, at it. Let's throw sperm, <laughs> sperm that wall up. And, it's a Saturday night. <laughs> and, it's clean. Uh, it's washed. It's been washed. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. It's, it's sterile. Washed. We know Neil's in the <laughs> sterile spaces. Back to my sterile room of happiness. Uh, that we'll, and then, you know, and then we'll see what happens. But there's like, there's so many more complicated cases out there with low sperm counts, low egg mm. count, endometriosis mm. and, and just so many things that 
in a way, as hard as it was, we're pretty lucky that it wasn't extra layers of complication put on top of it. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, what some and some of the stories we're getting back from from the feedback of, of podcasting, I was like, you know, we we had it lucky, or, and I don't know if I would have went as far as some yeah. of these people. Like it's. Yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars spent and years and years and years of the struggle. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I can only imagine um, what they went through and, mm-hmm. and we went through part of it. So, yeah. Yeah. It is absolutely heartbreaking to, to, uh, and, um, uh, and something that I'm, I'm wondering if you are dealing, have dealt with, are dealing with is, um, I know Kyla really feels this way, um, is like a sense of, um, a sense of feeling like, uh, not, not a shame, but like, but, but almost feeling like, oh man, like I, like this worked for us and seeing all the people that mm-hmm. struggle for so long and it never works and, um, feeling bad, feeling bad about that. Um, mm-hmm. like, is that something that, is that something that, um, that you experienced at all? Um, yeah, I wanted to, well, okay. Um, spoiler alert. What can we say that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big spoiler alert for the podcast. All the episodes are out now, so everyone can binge, but I will give your listeners a chance if they don't want to hear what happens, um, to duck out now. Okay. Yeah. Let's okay? do it on three. Right. Okay. Two, two, one, one. Okay. I'm pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Spoiler alert. um, IVF, our second round of IVF worked for us. So um, we have a little lady now. Her name is Winnie. Uh, She's almost 19 months old. Um, We are incredibly fortunate. And yes, every single day I'm still dealing with that guilt of... um, I got lucky, but someone else didn't, you know? Um, Mm. And even if it's strangers, if it's women and partners um, reaching out to us individuals with their stories, uh, my heart just breaks over and over and over again for everybody else. And you do feel really guilty about all this happiness you have for yourself um, and what these other people are going through. Um, So it's, it's something I grapple with every single day i think yeah it's like a survivor's guilt you know yeah. i mm-hmm. i you know if after a crash or whatever like i mm-hmm. survived and i uh, feel bad for for the people who are still struggling and like we're we're the people now we muted online like mm-hmm. we are posting all the pictures and all the mother's day and halloween and all this kind of stuff father's day and and every time you know i try to make a note or or just think of all the people who are struggling and still are and always will be so yeah, it's it's really really happy and it really sucks um, yeah. when you when you really think about the you know still everyone else out there. Yeah, yeah, it's really uh, it's it's uh, it's really hard and obvious and and you and yeah, it hits hard because you know because you know the struggle you know the struggle of yeah. feeling yeah. you know the struggle of uh, of the feeling that if the feeling of I might not I might not, uh, get to experience this and I'll, yeah. and I'll have to deal with that and I'll have to grapple with that. And, uh, yeah, definitely something that, that comes up a lot for Kyle and mm. I, and, uh, and is, is, you know, just a really hard thing to deal with. Um, as, as, as sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. And I was going to say how happy you feel yourself, right? Like how, how overjoyed we've been, how, how much happiness yeah. she brings to our lives. Um, yeah, it's just, it's always sad that it's, it's slightly tinged with, I'm, I'm really my, my heart bleeds for all of our friends and for everyone else out there who just doesn't get to experience it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's hard, you know, it's really yeah. hard. But I, yeah. I did not think being a dad or being a parent, I'd laugh so much. Like <laughs> Winnie is hilarious all the time. It's yeah. so, mm. it's so great. So it's a bit of a reward, I think, for our yeah. struggles. Yeah. 100%. Um, as we record this, um, today is the day where the final two episodes of one and six have been released. So first of all, congratulations on that. Um, what's, what's the, uh, what's the reception been like, uh, of the podcast? How, how have people been, you know, have people been reaching out? Have you been hearing from listeners? Yeah, I've pretty much been crying every single day. Um, <laughs> um, happy tears, just overjoyed um, and beyond grateful for how much people um, are opening up. Um, even the comments of people saying that um, this has provided hope 
um, that it's you're saying exactly what I'm feeling. I don't feel so alone now. People be able one one woman I believe said her dad talk can talk to her now about it mm. or open up that conversation. Oh, yeah. And mm. it's that was pretty amazing. Yeah, and then um, I, I guess because we're so open about it in the podcast that people are coming back and reciprocating that. So. Um, I've gotten really long emails detailing everything that people have been through and it's, it's just astounding. Um, and honestly, when you're going through it yourself, you feel like, oh man, it can't get any worse than this. And then some people have gone through, like we said before, spend, uh, spend hundreds of that of thousands of dollars, um, yeah. disappointment after disappointment. I felt, I feel kind of like a wimp not to compare to other people, but, mm. but I don't, I don't know if I would have the same amount of strength to carry on for what some people in this world have done yeah, to try it, and continue that fertility journey. Yeah. Mm. It is really, it's really, it, it's really incredible. Yeah. It's really inspiring. Well, again, folks, one in six uh, is available now on CBC Podcasts or wherever you you listen to your podcast. Uh, please go check it out. Give it a listen. Share it with uh, somebody you know, and uh, in particular, maybe share it with somebody who you feel like could use uh, use it and and hear a story like uh, Jen and Neil's. Uh, guys, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to sit down and chat with us. This has been uh, this has been really thank sweet. you so much for having us. It's been great to be here. So great. Thanks so much. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.